Coming up, big extensions for Bobby Witt Jr. and Jose Altuve. And some other big names come off the free agency board. But five of the biggest names in free agency this offseason are still waiting to sign a new deal. Where do we think they might fit in the 2024 season? Find out right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 122. AJ and I are coming to you. It is Tuesday, February 20th. AJ, baseball is officially back. I feel like we've said it years and years now. Pitchers and catchers reporting to duty. Uh, positionals reporting to camp as well. It's uh, it's a great time because that, that break between football and opening day just seems to be kind of a kind of 40 days of hell, I would say, right? I mean, would you it's, agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i a big NBA guy, and right now we're in the All-Star break too, so it's just like there is nothing going on but college hoops. So um, we are definitely starving for some uh, action, some news. Unfortunately for us, Travis, it has been a, a pretty slow uh, offseason in terms of news. In terms of getting some baseball updates, it'd be a perfect time to – uh, for, for, for sports media, for some of these big names to get taken off the board by some contenders has not happened. We've been at a stalemate for weeks and weeks here in terms of the top, top names. But we want to kind of spend some time, Travis, figuring out where we can see some of these guys landing as well as covering some of the you know smaller but still important deals that have been reached uh, this offseason or since our last episode, basically. Travis, what is the biggest standout move to you you want to start us covering with? Kershaw to L.A. Dodgers, yeah. Altuve extension, Bobby Wood extension. What 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 was the most? Uh, what's the biggest news to you? Yeah, I I I you know, Kershaw is definitely a surprise because that is you know a, another year of the Dodgers giving a one year contract to Clayton Kershaw. You always anticipate him going somewhere else in the off season. You know, for the last couple of years, it's always been Texas Rangers been thrown out there to be the favorite to land Kershaw. He's going to go home. He's going to finish his career in um, in Dallas, where he is, uh, where that, that that's basically close to his hometown. So you always thought that, but he does sign a one year deal again with the Dodgers. And uh, for a guy that's probably not going to be pitching very much this season, he's going to come back probably second half of the season to. Uh, to start his 2024 campaign, it's it's shocking. But um, no, I think that one of the biggest ones, and 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 rightfully so, was the Bobby Witt. That's always good to see, Alex, because we we see so many teams kind of just go year after year after year with a superstar and never really just truly commit to him. And it's really cool to see the guy that they saw debut. I think it was it wasn't last year. I think it was in 2022, Alex. I think last year he finished his sophomore year, but really had a breakout season and he's only going to get better and better. And it's good to see that the, uh, the Kansas city Royals are committing to him. Uh, I don't have the contract uh, actual figures in front of me, but I think it was around 10 years. It was um, yeah, 11 years for a total, uh, two, uh, 288 million. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, okay. that's, uh, that's quite the haul for someone who's so young in the league, but he has already <laughs> proven his ability to, be a future superstar. Yes. Um, I'll say this: He's not getting the uh, the Corbin Carroll or 
Ronald Acuna Jr. contract that almost feels like a steal for the organization, right? Where they give him 10 years and 100, 120 or $100 million, and you're just like, this guy's making $10 million in his 20s, and he's already a superstar at 21. This this doesn't feel right. Where at least, at least Bobby Witt knows. I think he's seen some of these guys get their contracts, and he's probably thinking, you're going to have to give me a little bit more because I'm going to be at my best when this – you know, basically I'm, I'm going to be – you know, not not finishing my prime, but you're going to be almost entering that middle stage, almost latter half of your prime when the contract ends. You're going to get a very good and very productive Bobby Witt for the next, you know, 10 years or so. And it's, yeah, it's an average annual salary of uh, approximately $26 million. So that's a pretty, I would say... It's a good job for his agent getting that deal for his client and Bobby Witt, especially with um, Kansas City. You right does not spend <laughs> right, and it's and it's also a very good job I think by the team to secure a cornerstone like him who is you know just going to be uh, he's pretty much a star in the making here uh, and to get him for only twenty eight million I think there's a chance that in five years that looks like a very 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 affordable price for like an all star shortstop Absolutely. premier position guy with five tools not quite sure um if his peak form is going to be mvp type guy or just all-star type guy or maybe just like fringe all-star type guy i mean i feel like he already is a fringe all-star type guy to me maybe might get uh might be a favorite to win an all-star uh nod um in the very very near future here um so that, that, that absolutely i mean alex looking at the numbers a sneaky 30 30 season i feel like i feel like i i i did not know that until 10 seconds ago and and he's just a very underrated guy 50 home runs already in his first two seasons and and uh and he's playing shortstop at a very young age yeah and it's a it's a very very good power speed combo uh last season uh one shy of 50 stolen bases at 30 the year before before the rules changed i could see him continuing to wreak havoc on the base paths um he only he's going to be in his age 24 season he just uh yeah he was just born uh his birthday's in june so yeah he'll be 24 when the opening day comes around sorry still 23 um but anyways i do think that um you know there's quite a bright future ahead of him uh i think that the power is also quite interesting uh 11 uh, triples led baseball last year 30 home runs uh, is quite good for that ballpark at his age. You know, he got seventh in MVP voting, so he should be well on his way to an all-star appearance next year. Um, he is someone who, I mean, he's going to potentially um, be competing with some really, really big names at the shortstop position in the American League. Um, I mean, just Carlos Correa comes to mind as, as a potential obstacle. Um, Seager, of course. So we'll kind of see how that race shapes up, but... Um, definitely someone who is worthy of, of the kind of contract that he got. So happy for him. Um, Jose Altuve, Travis, he also got extended by the Houston Astros. To me, that's just a good symbol of kind of a team doing good by the guy who has been the cornerstone of a dynasty, right? The Absolutely. cornerstone of a team that has made... I lost track, Travis. I don't know how many consecutive ALCSs they've made. It's been like six or well, seven. Well, this month it started in 2017. So I mean that that you basically you, you do the math at home, folks. That's <laughs> seven seven straight years of of reaching the American League Championship Series, which is just absurd. But I, I believe the new contract is five year, 125 million. That takes him from 2025 through 2029. So basically. For the rest of this decade, um, Altuve will be an Astro, you know, barring a trade, of course. But it feels like he is truly their franchise guy, and they're kind of uh, treating him as such with this extension. Um, Travis, the way that Correa didn't get extended, 
uh, and then they let him walk in free agency. Garrett Cole walked in free agency. Verlander walked in free agency before they traded back for him. To me, I always thought Altuve is kind of the guy of all their guys who's most likely to kind of be, you know, given that superstar, like, luxury treatment of, like, you know, you're going to stay here no matter what kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. But um, I still wasn't 100% because it does feel to me like Bregman, uh, you know, he might follow suit like a Springer and Correa who, you know, had a very successful young uh, career, first half of his career with the Astros, and maybe he will try to, uh, you know, part ways in in the coming seasons. Um, Altuve, a core of Altuve, Jordan, Tucker, with the young pitching they have, I think there's a lot of a promise with um, that core still, even as some of their uh, cornerstones from the the dynasty um, kind of part ways. So I think that it just it's just interesting to me that um, the Astros have been a bit uh, greedy is not the right word I guess just frugal when it comes to offering contracts to Correa um, and, and other guys that have left. But here with Altuve, it's kind of no expense spared, which is good for him and good for the team because he is sort of you know the heartbeat of the team. Yep. It feels like when he's not in that lineup. Um, there's just this kind of missing X factor that he kind of provides. But that being said, it's not like it's a crazy, crazy deal. Just five years, you know, the uh, average annual value is nothing crazy at all. So um, what was your reaction to that? Just kind of expected or what? Yeah, expected. I mean, again, you, you didn't really think too much that, oh, wow, his contract will be ending uh, this year. Uh, you know, he was signed, I think it was back back in I think 2017, I think after his con- or MVP year, but he did have a seven-year $163 million contract. I, I apologize. It was from 2018 to now 24, 2024. It was when it ending. So it's nice to see them kind of just put a star on that one player and say, you know, you are kind of getting the franchise tag. You've helped us win multiple championships. You are, again, like you said, the X factor, the heartbeat of the Houston Astros. We want to keep you in an Astros uniform till you retire and you'll go into Cooperstown most likely one day. Uh, I guess I guess we'll see if he'll go, he'll go into Cooperstown or how long that might take it uh, with with everything and all the uh, all the back background uh, noise. But uh, yeah, I, I I do love the move because again, like you said, I if I had to bet, Alex, I, I don't see Bregman returning. I, I feel like the Astros would easily let him go because and it's not really a uh, it's not really their fault. They are just so good at developing guys in the minors and bringing them up to the bigs, and they become. MLB ready instantly and we've seen that with Jeremy Pena you know and we, we're, we're going to see that hopefully this year with uh and I totally butchered or blanked his name but uh the, the starting catcher Yanner Diaz, yeah. Diaz who should be you know a very good hitting catcher for uh for the Houston Astros and you know probably will represent possibly the you know the AL in uh in the all-star game for the for the future to come but you know they just are so good at developing guys that it just feels like you know man they can they can easily let guys go and then maybe use their money to sign other players for instance sign Josh Hader to a almost a record-setting deal or a record-setting deal for a reliever and you know you can use those funds elsewhere instead of you know basically re-signing or extending guys that uh, that have been a part of the team for for many years that, that, that's their strength it's been their strength for the last almost it feels like 10 years uh, I, I feel like 10 years ago this is when this this train actually started in 2015 I think they went to the American League Division Series and were ultimately defeated by the Royals who won it all but that was kind of the that was the start of the Houston Astros and this dynasty that they've been on so uh, it, it's at least good to see that one guy the one guy that we all know 
we think of Houston Astros right now, we think of Jose Altuve, and it's good to see that he's at least getting the uh, the, the the franchise tag uh, for for the foreseeable future. But yeah, lo- looking at his uh, his you know last season and, and seasons prior, he's really not shown much signs of slowing down. I think he found a way to kind of preserve his skills or maybe adjust his skills with age. You know, he uh, he the power numbers are still pretty solid. He had 17 homers last year, and that was just in 90 games. He did miss quite a big chunk of time about two-thirds of the season he missed so 17 17 home runs and 14 steals in that span you know we're talking about probably a 25 25 type of season if he's fully healthy uh which at you know age 33 would have been uh quite remarkable he was still a four uh fangrass war guy last season he had over 150 wrc plus so still a well well above average hitter still a very good on the base paths uh you know base stealer um plays you know at least average a defense at second base so uh that's a pretty uh, important position of course so even ignoring the Astros ties there, I think just in terms of the raw production, you're getting a guy who's going to continue to probably play at an all-star level. I think he, you know, sort of adjusted his approach a bit. He really is maximizing, I think, his uh, pull tendencies. I mean, he's not always looking to pull the ball, but when he is, he's able to get in those Crawford boxes or off that big wall in left field uh, over there in Houston because, I, you know, Altuve... He doesn't have the craziest like raw power, but he knows how to use that power um, to convert it into extra base hits in the left side of the field there. And of course, if he needs to, he can go to the gap in right center or um, can 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 spray it through the infield and, and beat out infield stuff and, and even bunt when he needs to. So you're getting a guy who knows how to kind of adjust as his skills change with age, which I think is another key reason why this contract will likely end up being pretty fair. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, he, he doesn't have crazy crazy pop but for some reason when october hits it comes out yeah you know hank aaron at the plate and i'm looking at postseason numbers 27 home runs in 103 postseason games that's about that's 476 plate appearances which you know you're looking at you know you know three quarters of a season right there if you had to put his entire postseason career into you know a bigger perspective he's almost played a full entire mlb season in the postseason, which is you're getting up there with Derek Jeter type of numbers where, you know, Jeter was able to play. I think I was I think it was around 162 games uh, in the postseason for his entire career. But he's probably going to be the all time home run leader in the playoffs when it's all said and done. But just remarkable that a second baseman can can wake up in such a big way in in October. And Alex, I mean, even last last postseason, we were we were looking at him and we were wondering, man, is he just going to keep dying, you know, um, dying off with the power you know how's it all going to look in 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 the postseason 2022 he had zero home runs and then in 2023 he had a home run against the minnesota twins then he had three home runs against the texas rangers in the american league championship series and he had that huge home run in arlington that was uh iconic in the eighth inning and so again it's just he's a he's a freak at the plate in big moments and he's always been that way i think that's uh that's a big reason why you sign a guy to a extension and, and kind of finish out his career in that in that uniform because even though he might be hurt or not really perform at his uh, you know 2017 peak best you know in october he's going to bring it and any ball club that faces him is going to be fearing him at the plate so it's it's a good it's a very good move by the astros 
Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears here, Travis. Let's keep it rolling. Um, the Red Sox have done some things here. They went and got Liam Hendricks. Um, it is a two year deal. And uh, first of all, I'll say that um, I'm very happy for him with the contract. I mean, I think everyone knows with what he's gone through the last couple of years. It's uh, great for him to still be able to um, be an MLB MLB caliber relief pitcher. Um, I do. I did just confirm. I wasn't sure. He did get Tommy John um, towards the end of last season. I think in August around there. So. Uh, to me, that sounds like he will not be pitching next year. That's why it's a yeah. two-year deal. So it's kind of just a one-year deal, and it's going to be on pause for a year. That's kind of how my brain is is processing that. So with that in mind, it seems like it's sort of an investment in 2025. Uh, maybe they saw some good value there, help him rehab. Um, maybe they you know, are confident in their ability to sort of help him get back to where he was before the surgery. And the Red Sox have proven the, uh, some ability to develop pitchers, so we will see how that goes. Their, their bullpen has been a strength in my mind the last couple of years. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so you're adding him to the likes of Kenley Jansen, who had a, a good year with them. Chris Martin had a really phenomenal year on a rate basis with them. Uh, so uh, you, you're you're adding another weapon, but it won't be for this coming season. Mm-hmm. And Travis, uh, just on top of that, Kenley Jansen had a quote I saw on Twitter today. I'm not sure if you saw it. He said something about how when he signed this deal, he signed a two-year deal there in, in Boston after his one year in Atlanta, and he was told, according to him, that that first year, which was last year, 2023, that was going to be sort of like a reboot year, and then they were going to go all in in 2024. And he says now it seems like uh, they maybe have changed focus because they haven't really spent a ton in this offseason, right? Yep, of course, that could change. I mean, they could sign Bellinger and Montgomery tomorrow and, and then you know, and then know, they're and, stacked and, so. and, and we'll get into it but they could sign the big five that are available right now and their team could totally shift and change but yeah right yeah. but just looking at what they've done so far Kenley Jansen expressed some concerns or at least just some uh maybe frustration or yeah confusion about why the team hasn't sort of gone all in like they maybe said they would according to, to Kenley but I think that overall the Red Sox in the last couple seasons have adjusted to a more conservative approach with their spending um, not spending too much on the big big guys not retaining guys like Betts obviously as that's a, a few years ago now yeah but then they they kind of dished out for story which was interesting and story is still a really good player who was hurt for them uh, had to recover from that for it took, took quite some time but overall I think that the Red Sox are kind of trying to play smart with their finances not trying to kind of overextend with any bad contracts they did secure their guy endeavors um but yeah i think that they're kind of an interesting case of a team that's trying to sort of i don't know to, to in my mind they're always like a big market team but they're kind of not spending like it they're kind of not managing yeah. the roster like one so especially w- in that division right i mean right it lo- it's gonna be really competitive lots of uh stars throughout the division um, you know, they, they let go of their of their uh, general manager, Heim Bloom, and, and brought in a new regime. And, you know, things are going to be, you know, it feels like totally different uh, in the coming years for them. But, yeah, I think it's those Kenley comments in conjunction with the fact that they went and got Hendricks, who can't pitch this coming season. It kind of shows Red Sox might not be all in on this coming year. And, and you know, guys like Kenley might get disengaged from the team a bit if mm-hmm. they don't start out well. So yeah. where do you see them next year? And uh, I, I wonder if that, you know, those conversations came with Hein Bloom and, and with him gone now, sure. it's probably, you know, he's probably, again, like you said, confused as to where the team's headed. 
and with new uh, a new front office and a new kind of management, you know, he's probably thinking, you know, what what does my year look like? You know, I know it's my last year on the contract, so I'm not, you know, I'm not kept into this for, you know, two or three years, but uh, you've got some concerns. But I've always viewed the Red Sox this year, you know, they're, I want to say they are are a big market team, but they sometimes just don't play that way. But they they always seem to be successful. You know, they always seem to, uh, you know, have a 90 95 win season that you just don't expect i think back going back to what alex 2021 we just were not expecting the, we're not expecting the red Sox to do anything and they were an inning away from going up 3-1 in the american league championship series against the astros it was just a typical red Sox move like they just have all the all the success you can you could not think of and and uh they they, they, they put their best out there on the field but yeah i i don't know what really to expect if I uh, if I had to predict, they're going to finish probably last in that division. It's just a tough division. You know, they could definitely win seventy five games or around that in that seventy win uh, margin area. But I just don't see them really doing a lot in that division with how stacked it is. So it is it is very questionable on what these moves mean. You know, is Liam Hendricks basically sitting out this year to replace Kenley next year because they're going to let Kenley, of course, walk after that contract? I don't see them extending him. I probably see them trading Kenley later on in the year if he has a good season and the Red Sox are not trending in a very good direction. So a lot of a lot of question marks and 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 what they're going to do, you know, right now, Alex, it, you know, it, it's glad to see that they signed Devers, but I just feel like it was the wrong time. And you let probably one of your best position players of the century leave in Mookie Betts. And if you would have used the money to re-sign him and you would have kept Betts and Devers, that would have been just a really cool and fun core to just really build off of for the entire, you know, 2020s and even onto the 2030s, however long Mookie Betts plays. But that was one guy that just, it just, you saw it slip away and you just kind of scratched your head as to what, what are the Red Sox going to do now? And, you know, like I said, re-signing Devers was very good. It showed the fans that they really are invested in their talented players, but I just, um, yeah, it, it, there there are a lot of situations where I look at the Red Sox and say, you know, what are what are they really doing? You know, they 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 are a household name. You know, fans across the world know the Boston Red Sox, and you know they're one of the most popular teams in you know North American sports. But you just you got to you got to scratch your head and, and just wonder what are they doing? And you know, the Liam Hendricks move, I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's kind of just like. You know, you're giving you're giving money to a guy that and you really don't even know how he's going to come out in 2025. You know, after Tommy John, he could just be totally washed and his career could be basically coming to an end. So um, it, it's a good way, Alex, to transition to uh, Brandon Woodruff because he's dealing with the same situation. You know, he is going to be having Tommy. He, I think he had Tommy John. So he'll miss all of next year. So 2025, he'll be uh, hopefully coming back to a rotation. But he just signed a two year deal with. Again, his 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 uh his original team, the Milwaukee Brewers. So he's going back to Milwaukee. Will not pitch in 2024, but will be back in 25. I he was a name that I definitely was wondering. You know, would teams? You know, uh, of course, Angels fan. I'm thinking, would Angels make that move? There were some other teams as well, but I always thought, is it something that you would do to ensure that hey, you have a a, a quality starting pitcher? You'd hope a quality starting pitcher in 2025 because when he's at his when he's at his peak level, you know, he is a top 10, top 15 pitcher in the game, Alex. So w- what do you make of that move with uh, with it being kind of uh, very similar to the Liam Hendricks deal? Yeah, it seems like 
for whatever reason, um, the way the market sh- uh, shaped up, the Brewers and Woodruff are both very good with just having him do a rehab year with the team and then uh, a prove it year. And so that second year is pretty much going to be like a new contract year. He uh, is one of the be- uh, better uh, top tier pitchers in all of baseball when he's healthy, obviously not healthy right now. So it's really tough to say what he will look like after the surgery, which is part of, and you know, cause he is, you know, not, not as young as <laughs> I was gonna say not as young as he's used to be, but I guess that's yeah. true for all of us. But, um, <laughs> I, I do think that he, uh, you know, with, with the age slowly, um, kind of creeping up potentially harder to recover from a, a big surgery like that, uh, to go through that rehab. But, you know, I, I counted out guys like Verlander who got Tommy John at a later age, you know, DeGrom, um, but these guys are able to bounce back. So, if Woodruff bounced back, I'm not sure why he wouldn't be able to get uh, a large contract after um, that 2025 uh, you know contract year. So uh, it really comes down to let's see how he does after rehabbing. Um, you know, yep. w- wishing him a good uh, road to recovery, and yeah, I hope that he's able to kind of return to form because he is one of my favorite pitchers when he is out there. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see where he ends up in 2026, but it just feels like both parties uh woodruff and brewers just said hey let's just like reset here and yeah. just do one more we'll just redo this contract year once you're healthy so um it seems like it's probably fair for both sides um and, and it probably makes sense for them to do it over anyone else because they know him uh, they know him best um travis uh small breaking news not really much news but i just did see in a post by mlb just posted since we started recording that they um posted the 11 through 20 on their uh, site for you know top, top players in baseball. Yep. Mike Trout is at 12, 12th best player in baseball. Instant reaction. Go. Yeah, I, I I knew it was going to be a dramatic uh, decline this year, and I I'm not surprised. Uh, of course, I think it's just absurd, but I'm not surprised, Alex, just because a lot of people so far have been saying you know he's been in the news, and we can get into it a little bit later on the episode. But he's been in the news lately with you know comments he made, and again they are. They are total, you know, dub comments. Like they, 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 they are, they are. They're, that's the best. He's always, he's always been good at saying the best thing to the media. Some people just don't like it because they just don't think he has that competitive nature, which he obviously does. But, um, yeah, it, twelve is is definitely uh, is you know, and and I, I was actually thinking, will they will they put him past fifteen? You know, I I really was thinking that. I actually was, you know not surprised he's past 10 i i really am not it's it's it is a tragedy but yeah i again i i just think with with the health being a huge factor that's the reason why that uh that that he's not going to be in a top 10 but you know we saw lana rizzo not even put him put him in in her top what top six when she said players to debut in 2000 2009 or or yeah or, or sooner or whatever was, was he like yeah like freddie se- freeman was number one he was like or seven or something like that and she says that he's just been hurt but her list goes back from to 2009, but it has Seager, who's played like he had seven years of the greatest baseball of all time, and yeah, we could rant all day all day long about this, but yeah, Alex, I'll say this: I'm not surprised. It's it's absurd, but um, yeah, yeah. We, we, and, and, we, MLB just doesn't, um, you know, we, we they <laughs> I can go all day long, but they they make some absurd lists, and and I, I was I don't really care too much about you know. 100 through 30 i think when they start making their their 25 and down to one that's when i really pay attention because i really want to see okay who 
who do they think is the best? You know, they're, they're basically saying this is the top five pitchers. Maybe this is the top, you know, shortstop and all that stuff at th- these different positions. But then you go down to, you know, the top five and you kind of look at and see, you know, who who's truly number one at, at the uh, in Major League Baseball. But I'll just say this. I'm not surprised of him being 12. Yeah, overall. Uh, I'm not incredibly surprised, but I was a li- at least a little bit surprised. I just didn't wasn't expecting to see that on my timeline um, as I'm just kind of checking for updates while we're recording. But overall, um, we'll kind of get more I'm excited into- to make ours. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll do our lists for positions and top players in baseball before opening day. And we'll be able to kind of get into it a little bit deeper. But uh, as it stands now, um, you know, Trout is, you know, in some people's minds, he has to kind of prove it to them again um, what he's capable of uh, following these injuries. He has, you know, had uh, various injuries to various different parts of his body, as well as the aging, uh, still playing center field. Uh, he wants to have a high workload. He had some comments saying that he wants to start stealing bases again. He wants to kind of go no limits in, in this season because he's tried to kind of preserve himself by not stealing so much and stuff but he still gets hurt so he kind of wants to just go all in and play the game he likes to play it so um yeah that's all that's all on that we may circle back to more trout stuff later on but um as it stands travis other free agent news jorge soler in my mind was someone who had potential to be uh, a very sneaky good signing for a team who needed a big bat he is going to the giants for three years 42 million dollars i think that that's pretty i think that's a pretty good payday for someone like him who's not going to be adding much value defensively a lot of dh'ing uh and if he does play the outfield it won't be at a high high level um not too much value on the base paths either so it really is just you know 42 million for uh, one of the better bats of this free agent cycle. Um, you know, they, 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 lo- they lose a guy like Hanniger in a trade. They, they decide to go and spend some money on a bat like Solaire. And I do think that the power Solaire provides, um, there is some streakiness and some swing and miss to his game. But I think that his uh, discipline is not um, as bad as some of the other guys who uh, were also on the market. I think he's a pretty good uh all-around hitter i'll put it that way good all-around hitter for a team like the giants who kind of continue to not go all in and not take their foot off the gas either they kind of stay in the middle in limbo they're just trying to win you know 84 games as opposed to go all in or or, or go full rebuild but i think he's going to contribute to wins for them i think he's a really good hitter um i'm excited to see what he does in that ballpark but what was your reaction yeah i it was funny i was talking to our buddy mikey who uh who does you know worked last year at the grounds crew at oracle park and you know just kind of getting his feel uh you know he's a diehard dodger fan but of course works for the giants so he has to you know be a little bit of a fan of their moves and 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 get, give me his input but you know it it's it's a it's a move to, to definitely fill a hole um we'll see how his what, what his power numbers look like playing at you know one of the what one of the worst uh offensive ballparks in in america at oracle park being how you know it's basically at sea level and uh it's the complete there's opposite that, there's that wind there's that wind it's the complete opposite of uh of Coors in uh in Colorado but uh yeah it, it, it's definitely a move to fill a hole they, they do have some exciting players uh I'd be interested to see what happens with some of these players of course with the uh 
the the, the new Korean standout that uh, we we're, we're going to definitely see a lot of this year, and I'm excited to see how he performs. But you know, they're kind of and they're not they're not like the Red Sox, but they're just they play in, in a in a juggernaut division where you look at the Dodgers and they should just be the clear favorite to win that division. And then you look at what the Diamondbacks did last year; they will definitely be a fun team, and they've added players, you know. Uh, left and right this offseason they've added you know not not big you know sexy trophies but they've they've added good role players that I think could be you know very nice a very nice touch to their roster you know one guy that really uh strikes me is Eduardo Rodriguez I think he could be a really good uh you know two three starting pitcher for that team and then um and then you got to always look at the San Diego Padres and and what they bring you know we're going to get a full year of Tatis we're going to get you know, Bogart's making the move from shortstop to second base. Kim will now be, looks like, the starting everyday shortstop, which is good for the defense. That should take some pressure off Bogart's. Machado already is a great uh, is a great third baseman, but, you know, you, you can't really count them out. They don't have Soto this year, of course. They, they made that trade. So, you know, will that really tamper the, the offense? We'll see. But, uh, you know, you, you can't count out the, uh, the the San Diego Padres. I can easily see the Padres finishing second in that division. So, again, the Giants are the Giants could easily be looking at a a fourth place, uh, a fourth place finish. You know, I, I think that that I think of the West, the NL West is kind of, you know, three to four different tiers. You have the Dodgers at tier one, tier two. You could have the Padres and Diamondbacks, maybe even sprinkle in the Giants. I don't know. But, yeah, tier three could be. Could be the Giants in another uh, model. And then Tier 4, of course, uh, Tier 6, Tier 8 is going to be the Colorado Rockies right now. It's tier 9999. They um, they could be another team we could talk about for, you know, hours about, you know, just years and years of just, just unsuccessful ownership and front office moves that have just, they, they've, they've taken this team and, you know, you might not see them win for the rest of the 2020s. Who knows? Well, you know, it, baseball does weird things, but as it as it looks right now, the Rockies are just they're just not a team that you should be really, you know, hoping for. For, the, for I guess, just put your focus in the Nuggets or the Avalanche. I, I, that, that's where you. There's wanna, other things to be happy. That's about. where you want to be your resources if you're in Denver right now. Buy a Jokic you know. jersey, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's that's kind of how I look at the West, and that, that's kind of how I want to wrap up the conversation with the Giants and and Solaire for me. It's 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 a move that's necessary, but does it really put them over the uh, the hump? I I don't know. Yeah, I I I agree with you. I don't think it's like a franchise altering move by any means. It's not it's not steering them into a completely new direction. But I do think it's an impactful bat. Just some really quick data here from Statcast on his 2023 season for Solaire over 90 percentile in expected woba, expected slugging, and barrel rate. Uh, over 80 percentile in walk percentage, in hard hit percentage, and in average exit velocity. And he has over 70 percent in uh, chase percentage. So he's not swinging at junk too often. He's doing an amazing job of hitting the ball really hard. That will lead to some level of inconsistency. But I do think that uh, in that lineup, they needed some pop. They didn't really, you know, it feels like they relied on, they let it, they relied a lot on platoon guys. I think this is kind of an everyday guy they can expect to get something out of um, over there in 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 that division. So you did a good job of summarizing how that division could shape up. Let's keep it moving, Travis. Um, really quick here, nothing too crazy, but the Rays went out and got Phil Maton and uh, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Ahmed Rosario signed with them today. I think it was like a one year, like 
one point something million. It felt like a really a really light deal. I know he hasn't had that many special seasons lately, but it just felt like maybe they pitched him on something like, hey, we know how we can tweak your swing, or maybe they sold him on... Um, I'm sorry, what was the contract again? Let me get the exact thing this right here. This is the here. Rays, right? This is yeah. the Rays uh, with Ahmed Rosario. So this contract he signed just today, it is one year, $1.5 That just seems like you don't really get guys who are like everyday players for $1.5 And he did have one of the weaker bats in all of baseball um, for some of the recent seasons here. But um, pulling up his Fangraphs page, Travis, he uh, just last season an 88 WRC+, plus, so a below average average hitter the contact's not terrible um especially you go back to two years ago and three years ago he's up above 280 on the batting average but he's really not walking a ton at all and the power uh is really nothing special either it may even be going down he only had six home runs last year uh 15 stolen bases is not too bad but he actually played some very poor defense last year i think he is i hope i'm not switching getting this switched up but in my if i'm remembering correctly I think that they kept using him. You know, let me let me just be sure before I start <laughs> saying something wrong. But I think basically people were criticizing the way that the uh, Cleveland Guardians were using him defensively in regards to positions because he can play middle infield, probably even third base if he needs to, and he can also play um, outfield. And he was playing a lot of left field um, as well as shortstop. So. Um, where is my, and I'll say that, that that's, I mean, just as a standard, you know, bi- you know, any baseball player would tell you, I feel like going from left or right field to shortstop. I mean, that's just two completely different positions that I, I can't imagine making the adjustments. You know, one day you're playing left field, you're trying to track fly balls, you know, off the bat. And then you go to shortstop the next day and you're trying to read, you know, grounders, that that are that are being hit to you 115 miles an hour you know it's 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 two different it's two completely different positions and like i mentioned it's i i just can't imagine making the adjustments yeah and and doing the work before the game to get ready to play that day at that spot yeah yeah it looks like in uh 2023 as a shortstop he had a negative 16 defensive runs saved and a negative 14 outs above average. So it seems to me like the data indicates he was not doing a good job defensively for shortstop at all last year. Um, with the Dodgers, it looks like he played um, several innings, 190 innings at second base where he had three defensive runs saved and zero outs above average. So about an average defender or slightly positive, depending on the numbers you're looking at. So... Um, I think there are ways that the Rays may use him. Everyday shortstop probably will not be that role for him. I'm interested to see how they use him. I think he has a unique uh, bat where he, I think he uh, thrives against left-handed pitching and can't really hit right-handed, right-handed pitching all that well. So, Travis, if any team is going to take a take a deep look at your profile and figure out how they can maximize you, we know it's the Rays. <laughs> yes. So, I'm um, interested to see what they can get out of a guy like Rosario. But overall, the defense was not special at all last year. Um, I'm interested to see how they use him. He does still have that speed to run the bases. So, um, yeah, I think he will be a contributor to their team next year. But it's classic Rays, Travis. Like, they go out, they get Ahmed Rosario, they get Phil Maton. And I just, you know, these moves are not 
seemingly super special, right? But I just know that these guys are somehow going to have their moment, right? With this team this year, I just cannot count this team out for the postseason. I mean, Rosario is 28. He has had a rough stretch here, but he was at one point in time, like the third best prospect in baseball. Um, there has to be something in there that the Rays, the Rays can find, right? Yeah, and they probably saw the Dodgers got him last year in the trade, and they thought, what do the Dodgers know that maybe maybe one of our analysts missed? And let's try to target him and and, and we can maybe bring him in. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 a uh, it's a low risk, very high reward deal. So there's really not too much about it that that uh, the Rays are are probably too concerned about if they if they if you know Ahmed does not perform, well, you lost 1.5 mil. I mean, there's there's worse tragedies in in the baseball world and and i know a lot about one of them yeah but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh aj uh, do you want to dive into uh the players that are still out there anyone else that has been uh signed at least in the last since we last recorded uh one last one uh twins get uh carlos santana that's an interesting one he is someone who i think frequently travis gets kind of written off and then he'll have like some big moment he had some big moments or at least some uh some value when he was a Royal a couple of seasons back with the Mariners, I believe two years ago, Travis, there were some stretches where I was really afraid of him. I feel like he did a great job of not swinging at balls in the dirt. He just kind of stayed locked into the zone and he was crushing balls for a short stretch. there. not a big average guy, just a lot of power and trying to get walks as well. Um, so he is someone who I think uh, will bring value to a team like the twins, but nothing more really to say on that. Travis, I have a fun question to kind of kick us off here. Um, cause we want to talk about the guys who are still on the table, the who, big five at least right now. Right. And well, and there's even other guys outside of that who are, I think pretty interesting to say, where can these guys end up in the 2024 season and beyond? We're starting with this question, Travis, I'm going off the big five. And this is a, more of a question about, is this guy good anymore? <laughs> is Tim Anderson an opening day starter? For an MLB team in 2024. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Because I'm just, I'm just looking at the season he had last year, and because I, I, I was going through the guys who are free agents right now, and I was like, I've heard no buzz on Tim Anderson, right? And, and a couple years ago, we're talking about All Star. Well, we did hear Angels title. buzz in November. <laughs> we heard some Angels buzz. I think even at the trade deadline, some people were like, you know, Angels should get him. I'm like, okay, we have Zach Neto. Like, I don't really need yeah, him. Yeah. But just looking at his season last year. I mean, a 60 WRC plus he had decent BABIP, meaning um, when he was hitting the ball, he wasn't getting too much bad luck, but he still had a 245 average, a 286 on base, doesn't walk quite uh, very much at all, a slugging below 300. I mean, really, really a terrible, terrible offensive year. Can he bounce back? I mean, at age 30, he relied so much on, I feel like his athleticism at the plate. Can he be a starter in the year 2024? I feel like he can, but I, I, I mean, if someone, if he accepted the same thing as Ahmed Rosario, I feel like that'd be kind of a, again, you're, it, it's a great experiment because going back from 2019 to 2022, he had a had a 300 average every single year. His OPS plus was above 100, so he was above average hitter. He never was the big offensive guy. You know, he always had some pop here and there. His best season was 2018 with 20 home runs and then 20 uh 2019 he had 18 home runs and that was the year of course we always will go back to and say everyone's offensive numbers were just better so it's no uh it's no you know uh 
huge downside that guy's numbers you know dropped off from 2019 to 2020 to 2021 but you know he he was putting up you know decent numbers in 2021 and 2022 he got injured but it just it just felt like last year i mean again only one home run so many question marks at the question marks at the plate but i i just feel like he's a team and and him need to agree on a one-year deal try to spark something back up in his career Maybe he gets traded to a contender and can be really helpful in the postseason next year and, and can have a great 2024 campaign. But, I mean, you got to think there's someone out there that that uh, a team that could that could use him or at least see what they can get out of him. And and what what's really going to hurt right now and what's I mean, what's really hurting him is he's not getting in the early reps in spring training to really work on certain things. So that's one thing that's kind of a concern is you wish he would have got signed in January, December, and then he can get to, you know, whatever facility he needs to get to for the major league ball club and get some early work in and really just kind of master that craft to get ready for spring training. And then of course, get ready for the MLB season. But it's, it's definitely a disadvantage for him right now that he is not on a team yet. And uh, he, you know, he, he, he has not agreed to terms with someone for, you know, like I said, a one-year deal, I think is what we're going to be shooting for with him to give it a, uh, a, a a you know see what you see what you got we're going to give you one chance this year and uh maybe you can prove yourself into getting you know an extension or getting signed by another team next year for multi-years but you got it i mean again it's just crazy what 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 kind of player he was alex two or three years ago if he was in this situation two or three years ago people would have been giving him 20 million dollars a season you know Right. It's, just, it's really a huge surprise. Yeah, and I'm just trying to figure out what team might make sense because the, the Oakland A's. <laughs> I literally have their page pulled up right now. I'm like, just I, thinking I, about bring exciting players to Oakland, right? I mean, come on. I mean, like the, the guys who are kind of penciled in right now for middle infield and third base for the A's, it's guys like, um, I mean, uh, Daryl hernais i mean i'm sorry uh daryl i i don't know anything about you but you're projected for just 1.4 war you know maybe anderson could get you more value at the deadline um than than as opposed to just starting a guy who's uh under the radar for the full season abraham toro is supposed to get lots of reps for them in the middle infield um as well as led miss diaz you know i think that these are all guys who they have maybe some little bit of upside more so than an anderson but Anderson has the ability to maybe one-year deal, flip at the trade deadline, get a prospect back. I think these teams like the A's, the Royals have done a great job of this in the last couple of seasons of signing a guy, flipping him, getting something meaningful in return. And when they sign like Lugo and Waka, and it's like right, those and, are guys you easily can flip. And, I mean, I mean the getting a Rollis Chapman and then sending him to Texas last year for uh, Cole Reagans in return. I mean, that's going to go down as a really important deal for them because Reagans really broke out in the second half. So I think that there's lots to uh, like about this approach for a team that is um, very clearly rebuilding just to kind of own that own the rebuild and you know some of these rebuilding teams don't have an open spot at shortstop like a nationals you got uh abrams and you you want to ride out with him even if the angels wanted to do a rebuild i mean they have zach netto they don't really want to do that maybe you could put anderson at second base but i mean some of these teams have everyday shortstops like i thought about the tigers but they have Baez already um good god that's another one <laughs> i mean i think he actually i think he actually is a free agent next year if i'm not mistaken I, well th is it because the tigers can opt out Something like that, yeah. I, 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 I saw a picture of him swinging in, like, BP, and, and someone just posted, like, by his already in midseason form, and, like, it just looked like he was, like, his head was already looking at, like, the left field foul pole, and his bat was geez. just, like, already behind his bat. And it's, like, that's another guy that just, I mean, it, it just, it, it's, it, 
it's a it would be a total angels move to go out there and get a guy like that but it's it's it sucks that the tigers are trying to build up for the future and then they have to kind of they have to watch that you know every single day or you know you have you, you get a guy that's just trying to hit the long ball and it's like you know a couple of years ago alex we were looking at him on the mets and it was like man he actually put it together and and he has good defense and man maybe he could be a really outstanding second baseman or shortstop for a team if he just kind of did not rely so heavily on the long ball and just focused on more line drive solid contact but that that's kind of gone away but yeah it's it's too bad travis and there's there's a couple you know i'm looking through different teams there's two funny things i'm realizing here so the white Sox, travis are actually a team who don't have a lot of promise at shortstop and are probably going to be tankers so they could use a good deadline sell guy that they can flip um so it'd be funny to see him go back for one year deal and you're no longer the the franchise guy you used to be you're now just kind of like hey Let's see if you can be good for a couple of months and then we'll trade you to a contender. Another fun team. Alex, going into 2021, the White Sox were a, I think they were a top seven World Series odds. And I just looked a couple of days ago. They are a bottom three World Series odds. And, it's just and like, they're bottom three in projected one war. Of the, well, this is one of the tragedies of major, recent mo- modern Major League Baseball. What happened to the White Sox? I mean, we were talking about all their youth and man, they're going to be a great team in the 20s. Like they are going to, it's, all it's their crazy. stars are going to click. And they, they still have names that you like. They have Robert. They still have uh, some stand up pitchers. And uh, uh, the left fielder who gets hurt all the time. And yeah, Eloy, Eloy, Eloy Jimenez. Still, yeah. And then you have, yeah. um, you know, pitchers like Kopech with upside. Yep. Cease, obviously. You've got Sayan. That Votes. one lefty out of the bullpen. Um, yeah. Um, I'm blanking on his name. There's guys I remember in the past that was a, that was a dynamite coming out of the bullpen, left handed pitcher. And, I think he came in in, in uh, 2021. He had a barely, uh, he had some good, um, he had some really good moments, but uh, crochet. Crochet. Um, yeah. But, but another team, Travis, that really stood out to me as like, oh, this would be a great uh, fit for, for, um, for Tim Anderson because I think he would do well here is the Rockies because he has such a contact first Very approach. Yeah. He could probably just, you know, luck his way with the, with the Coors effect into the like, bombs. Yeah. Or I, I also think like the ability for some of these guys to have good batting averages and Coors is a very real thing. And he could just have like a 290 average after being, you know, not even a 290 on base percentage last year. So that could be a huge boost for him. But I look at their depth charts. I mean, they got Brendan Rogers at second base penciled in for, for almost 600 PAs, he's projected to have. Uh, they're projected to have uh, Ezekiel Tovar 630 he's PAs a prospect, right? at shortstop. Yeah. yeah, and he he had a good year last year. And then uh, Ryan McMahon, everyday third baseman. So they're like the one team who I think Anderson could recoup some value if he went there. They don't got a spot for him, yeah. even though they are rebuilding and could use a trade chip. Um, they're not really a, a good candidate for that reason. Absolutely, so yeah. not sure where Anderson fits, but I did like the idea of starting off with like an oddball candidate, not one of the big names. and just no, kinda, Yeah, you're right. Because he, he's, he's been a big name the last several years, and I just – Truly have no idea what's going to happen, but Travis, let us switch gears to some of the bigger names here that are still on the table to sign with some of these teams. And Travis, I'll let you pick between Snell, Montgomery, those are the two pitchers, Mm -hmm. Bellinger, Chapman, and who am I missing? Just Dingers, J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez. Those five, Travis, Mm -hmm. which one do you think will be the most impactful on their next contract? And we'll start there. Oh my God! I I I'm just gonna go JD because he's gonna get a one year, two year deal, and and, and I feel like you know well. you're gonna get an 800 OPS, and he was a top 
three or top five DH last year. And I just feel like right now there's really, you sign him and, and I'm again, I keep on harping on the angels, but it's just like, you know, I, I just, you, so many teams I think could just easily use that DH bat, that offensive presence in the middle of their lineup. And J, JD has provided that for the last five to six years. And I just, I, I really am, am truly shocked that so many teams haven't gone out and gotten him. And you really wonder, is it the, the terms that he wants or is it the the money he wants you know we saw Soler get three years I think it was 42 million so I think it came out to about 14 million dollars AAV so you got to be thinking okay well if we offer him one year he's going to want a lot more money AAV because we're, well, he's only on a one-year deal so you know maybe you offer him 15 to 17 million dollars but I think I think that'd be a fair deal if, if he if he accepted I would definitely be sending that deal towards him to get him on board but I, I I think that he could just be one of the big guys that could easily be an impact bat in any lineup he comes into. And so it, it's it's a huge question mark. I mean, Alex, he was starting DH for the NL All-Stars last year. And it, it's just it's it's crazy to look at. And and, and no one really has uh, has given him the money that that he wants or maybe that he's accepted it. So um, I just feel like with all the other guys, they have really high, you know, they they, they definitely have high. Um, they definitely have high floors or I'm sorry, they have high ceilings, but their floor could also be very, very low. Cause we've seen them at their worst and they're just, they could easily rob you of millions, uh, tens of millions of dollars a season. If, if, if you don't get them that, uh, if, if you don't get the right, their right self that season, it, it could really be a bust for them. So that's why I definitely think JD is a, is a easy contender, easy guy to say he could be the most viable right now. Yeah. I like that answer. And I'm looking at teams where JD could be a great fit. And it is interesting that so many teams, Travis, I look at their depth charts and it feels like they don't want to go the traditional DH approach. They want to kind of go DH by committee. They kind of have lots of different guys who can fill in at DH if needed. Like I just pulled up the twins. I'm like, oh, the twins could use a yep. bat. Let me check out their depth charts. Looking at their team, I mean, they just signed Carlos Santana, who mm -hmm. can play first base, but also will probably play some DH as well. If you look at um, other guys, I mean, uh, Byron Buxton is consistently playing DH every few games because they don't want to burn him out in center field because he keeps getting hurt. Buxton said he wants to play center field this year and not just be a DH full-time, but I imagine he will get some DH reps. Um, they have guys like Alex Kirilov. They have guys like... Uh, Miranda and guys like I mean I imagine Royce Lewis will see some DH so even though I think he's penciled in to be third baseman so I'm just looking at their their list of guys I don't think it makes sense for them to add JD and take away a bunch of at bats yeah. from guys they already have I don't think it's a productive use of their money per se looking at other teams that are looking to sort of add offensive impact maybe um, I look at a team potentially like the Cardinals and I look at their DH situation and they kind of have a, a, a unique situation where maybe you want Wilson Contreras getting off his feet at catcher some days playing DH. You have Jordan Walker, who's not elite in the outfield. Maybe you want him to play some DH. Yeah. Gorman can play some DH. So it feels like so many of these teams who are kind of in that mix, in that kind of middle to high tier of team, and they kind of want to add an impact guy. I'm not sure that JD is the right fit for them. So I really am not sure where he may end up. Um, I feel like the Cubs could be a fun fit. I already know that there's been lots of quotes circling about uh, them not spending as much money as they could. They are a pretty big market. They have a pretty big fan base. But I believe I saw some things about the owners not wanting to 
you know, spend much more unless they increase their revenue. But of course, their revenue is far exceeding their payroll at the moment. So it's a little interesting. But um, even they're a team who they have other guys who can play DH from time to time, like Suzuki. They just traded for Bush. They just uh, signed Peralta, uh, Wisdom, Morel. All these guys can play some DH. They just signed Dom Smith as well, who also you yep. could see him DHing. So um, what team is the dream fit i just am not quite sold i mean i know who you're you want the dream fit to be is, i'm starting right now Alex. is the angels yeah, i mean i mean the, you you lose the biggest bat you need to replace that with a impactful bat so i just and i know the angels have said well we want to give days uh dh you know days to rendon to you know mike trout and you know i get that and you know you still can but i just i again i if you really want to show the fans and say, hey, we, we, we're trying to put a winner out there this year, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't go out there and get a, a impactful DH bat, someone that is not going to offer you, of course, the power that Shohei, uh, Shohei offered, but he's going to get you 20, 25 home runs, maybe close to 30 home runs on the season, and he, he seems to always kind of stay somewhat healthy, and, and that's a big, big thing that we need considering the last couple of years trout and rendon have missed you know months and if not just you know full full seasons or 75 percent of the season and so again i i just that 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 team angels and jd martinez for me have always been kind of aligned all see all off season long and and it's it's someone that i've always really wanted them to push and go out there and get because like i think you you can admit to there is a hole in the lineup right now it feels like you know they they do need one maybe two more impactful bats i don't think they're going to get two impactful bats but at least getting one more impactful bat i think is uh is someone very nice and i know that people have also linked him to cody bellinger that's going to be of course one that i am very scared of because yeah he plays great defense but I, we just don't know what kind of bellinger we're going to get and we know bellinger is going to want a deal that's going to be you know 20 20 20 to 25 million dollars aav and he's probably going to want at least six or seven years, you know, so that that's something that I would absolutely be scared of if we got him, but it would be nice to have another lefty bat. But I, I, I just, I, I look at, I look at the angels, Alex. And I mean, again, I, I don't want to be biased cause they're our team, but I just, I see a, a huge, huge, uh, spot in the lineup right now that, that needs to be filled by, uh, by, by, by someone, I think a veteran like JD is, uh, is someone that could easily, uh, help us out. And looking at, uh, the angels, you highlighted them. I'll take a brief look at their D8 situation, uh, by Fangraphs projections going in the next year. Uh, who, who do you think is the number one person that Fangraphs projects to have the most played appearances as a DH for the angels? I'm going to either say, yeah, Mickey or Adele. They actually have Drury. They have Drury getting a lot of DH reps, wow. um, but it, it's still it's still divided heavily. It's two hundred plate appearances for Drury. Who do they have them? Oh, they, oh, they have Renhevel playing second. Uh, second base is if he's hurt. Mostly, uh, it's a it's a split of Renhevel and Drury. So Drury, when he's not at second base, sometimes playing first, sometimes can play third, and sometimes can play DH. Which that's why I like Drury mm -hmm. is because he mm -hmm. can play around the field like that. But looking at Drury getting DH reps, Aaron Hicks, the second most DH reps by projection, mm -hmm. and then it's Trout, Adele, Rendon, Ohapi, Ward, and then Sano with seven plate appearances as yeah, DH. Yeah, and, and Sano is someone that we're forgetting about, and, and I know he's looked a lot leaner than usual, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens out of spring. You know, that, that that's that's where he'll earn a spot on the on the team if he has a really good spring. And, and just looking at, you know, that depth at DH or or lack thereof. 
I have to say JD does make a lot of sense as a guy who can be a DH 90% of games. You can maybe buy Trout a day or two there. Um, maybe you trust JD as like a pinch hitter that can go into the outfield if you're losing because you just need that offense. Um, sub him out if you need that defense because you get a lead. Sub him out for a guy like Moniak or whoever else can play good defense out there. So there, there's a lot to kind of consider there, um, especially if a guy like maybe, let's just say Nolan Shanuel has a rough start to the year. Drury maybe needs to play a lot more first base, so he's playing a lot less DH. You need that everyday bat at DH that's going to contribute. So Angels are one team that have recent experience with an everyday DH in Shohei Otani. So it would make sense to kind of fill that gap with another everyday DH. But Travis, I mean, we could go on about different teams that could use an everyday bat. I think that a team like the Diamondbacks could use a thumper. Um, they might lose Longoria here. I think that JD would almost be like an upgrade in that kind of same Good middle point. middle yeah. of the order spot. But they have already signed Peterson. I feel like he is a logical fit to platoon as a DH. Maybe a little bit of outfield there for him. Um, I look at a team like the Reds, they could use maybe an impactful bat for the middle of the order, but they have, um, their DH is projected to be a split three ways almost between Encarnacion Strand, uh, Candelario and Jake Fraley. So, you know, you can just look at all these teams, Travis, I mean, even India is projected to get a lot of a DH time for them, but you just look at any of these teams and, a lot of the time, it looks like they plan on DHing by committee. So yeah, three I, guys, yeah. I really wonder what the future of like the everyday DH is going to look like because outside of like Stanton, Otani, Schwarber, and, and JD, I yeah. mean, even Schwarber played lots of outfield last year. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't good at it. I think it was Harper then at the, or it was because Harper was right. Harper had to be DH while yeah, he was yeah. injured for some time. But I mean, most of these guys, I mean, the Nelson Cruises of the world are usually not. I mean, they're not really around anymore, and so. Um, outside of Otani, Stanton, and JD, it seems like most of the time they, I mean, even Jordan, they put him in left field quite a bit. Yep. They're trying to get uh, other guys to kind of rest their legs. But Travis, let's keep things rolling here. Uh, another guy who needs to be talked about ASAP, uh, Blake Snell. Yep. Cy Young. Two-time Cy Young, but just, yeah. just fresh off of a Cy Young season. Everyone kind of knows you know, maybe he's not in the absolute top tier of pitcher. He might not be, he's not going to get, you know, like a Garrett Cole type contract when Cole uh, signed with the Yankees, but I'm sure Snell and his agent are working to get, you know, a contract worthy of a two-time Cy Young winner who's still pretty much in his prime, uh, had an amazing year last year by strikeout standards, walked a ton of guys, but got out of all the damage. So where do you see him potentially landing? Do you think it's going to be a good deal for that team? Are you nervous about whatever team might sign him? And, and where does that fit? Yeah, I mean, w with Snell, again, going back to the floor and ceiling concept, again, I, th I think with him, it's it's a very, it, it's a high ceiling, Alex, and I think it's a very low floor. You know, I, I think you're going to get somewhere in that range uh, season after season. You know, I, I think that he's shown signs of being, you know, inconsistent, but he does have good numbers so far for his entire career. But, you know, I know he's had a lot of, you know, um, there's been a lot of speculation with the Yankees and the Yankees would be a good spot. I think a really good spot for him because it would kind of take pressure maybe off him of being that ace, but I'm sure he really wants to be that ace for a, for a, you know, a contender or for a ball club, but you know, um, don't, don't really have too many, you know, too many teams, Alex. I mean, again, like I, I've, I've highlighted the, the, I've highlighted the, um, the Yankees. I've, 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 I'll also highlight, you know, great. You know, I think angels need pitching. I think angels, you know, Angels definitely need, I think, a, a, 
a, a top ace to to lead off in that rotation. Now it would be what five lefties in a rotation, and that would just be it's it's something that it could work. I mean, there, there have been five righties in a rotation, but it's just it'd be it'd be interesting to have five lefties in a, in a rotation, um, or at least four of them starting every single time out there. That would be uh, that'd be very interesting to see and look at. But you know, I I, I could see Angels being a great fit for Snell or even uh, Montgomery, but. Um, I, I, yeah, he's a tough one because I, I just, I, I'm, I'm curious now as to what the waiting game is going to be and what this means for the start of his opening day. Cause you always wish to have these guys signed before, before, you know, pitchers and catchers report. So it, it's definitely interesting. Do you, do you have any teams that you think in mind right now? Yeah, I'm not 100% sold on anybody being like a favorite for him. Um, I mentioned to you just before we started recording that the Phillies, it came out It came out just the other day that the Phillies offered Yamamoto more than the Dodgers did, but the Dodgers kind of won that bid. Probably a lot to do with Otani's presence and the Dodgers trying to become like a Japanese uh, fan hub. But the Phillies obviously made a big bid for a starting pitcher. They may look to make another bid for a guy who may be a tier below uh, Yamamoto, but still highly impactful, obviously experienced against MLB guys. Maybe they go for a guy like Snell. Um, I think that you look at their rotation, they could maybe use one more guy. They have decent depth. Uh, Wheeler Nola is a great top two. And then it kind of takes a step down to guys like Taiwan Walker, Ranger Suarez, who still could be impactful, maybe just to a slightly lesser extent. And Christopher Herne- uh, Christopher Sanchez for them had a really good year last year. Um, looking at his stats now, he had a 3.44 uh, ERA for them, a decent strikeout to walk ratio. He had just 18 starts for almost 100 innings pitched. Uh, he's 26, 27. Looks like he is just turned 27. So um, I think he's a guy who could easily be a five starter for them, but then if they went and got Snell and then made uh, Sanchez like the sort of six starter slash long reliever slash first guy you call up when someone gets hurt or needs a maybe Taiwan day off. doesn't even work out, you know? Right. I mean, Taiwan Ranger or Sanchez, those are three of your five who don't feel like amazing about yeah, right. You yeah. feel good about them, but you don't feel like they're this lock going in the next season. And you can say that about most pitchers, but um, and, and I will put in there too. Uh, Zach Wheeler is on his last year of his deal. So it, it's good to at least say, hey, we just re-signed Nola, and now we get Snell, and now we at least can be confident that we have you know Suarez, Snell, and Nola kind of leading us on into the future. We don't know what Wheeler's going to be doing after after this next year. So it, again, it, it at least gives the confidence of, hey, we still have those two uh, top pitchers at the, uh, at the front of the rotation like Wheeler and Nola have been for so long. So it, you're right. It, it definitely would be a really smart deal for the Phillies to kind of give them over that hump to hopefully make more of a more impact in, in, in the postseason next year. Yeah, and I think it's uh, in big part the reason why I suggest them is because we know they're willing to spend more money. And that's what it comes down to. Snell will likely command a pretty hefty price tag just because of what he did last year. Um, throughout the regular season another team that maybe is a lot better off at the top with with uh could use some more depth would be a team like the twins that comes to mind they lose Sonny gray maybe they could replace him with a guy like snell but the problem with them is i think they have a lot of interesting names on the come up i mean they have lopez and ryan the top two bailey ober is uh, solid in my book 
Um, they have Paddock penciled in to be their four starter and Di Sclafani in that mix as well. I think they could upgrade in that Di Sclafani spot with a guy like Snell um, to make it a much more promising front five. Um, but they still have guys like Louis Varland coming up as a prospect who should be getting, you know, I mean, Fangrass has him at over 90 innings pitch next season. Um, David Festa, someone who is a, a really promising prospect in my book. So I think that um, they might not want to dish out big money for a reliever they can't project too well. Um, and they also have a good bullpen, so maybe they don't really want to spend all their money on uh, reliefs or on starting pitching support. But I'm not really sure what the fit is, Travis. A lot of the other teams that might want to spend, I feel like they already have a rotation. Like the Blue Jays already have a rotation in yeah. my book. The Astros kind of like their guys, I think. The Yankees, for the most part, I think they're kind of set with the guys they have. They easily could go out there and get Snell, and he would, I think, be a really good fit for them. Which team? The Yankees. Okay. But they already have, you know, Cole, Stroman, Rodon, Clark Schmidt, Nestor Cortez. That's that's a five, right? Forgot about Stroman. That's right. That's that, right. Yeah. That's a five in my book. That um, easily you could say Snell is an upgrade on Cortez, but I think that they probably like Cortez and Schmidt towards the back there, and um, they can figure out uh, other options should uh, things go haywire with one of them. I'll throw out another team. I think also, uh, you know, just go a little bit up north and, and go to San Francisco. I, I think that they already have Logan Webb, Alex Cobb. You know, they have a young but a very uh, good prospect, Kyle Harrison, who made some starts last year. Um, not 100% sure on, on who else they have at the moment. But, uh, you know, I think that imagine having a Webb Snell, uh, you know, starting two in, in a rotation. That that would be, I think that'd be very, very good. And, and you're looking at Snell's numbers being pretty much almost, you'd think the same because he's going to a heavily favored pitcher's ballpark in uh in san francisco so i think that could be another place that yeah, you're right could make could make sense and the giants could be thinking to themselves you know we need to get an impactful player because so many teams in this division have done that and we have not the last two years have been the narrative of we fumbled uh arson judge and uh we we fumbled carlos correa so you you, you look at those two players and you thought you're going to get huge impactful bats they did not happen, and it was kind of an embarrassment. And you got to think the Padres and the Dodgers were uh, were definitely making fun of them for for fumbling both of those high um, high All Star caliber players. Yeah, and that's that's not a bad shout out um, for the Giants. I mean, yeah, looking at their projections for next season, Logan Webb, obviously the ace, Kyle Harrison, you mentioned a good up and comer, Tristan Beck, um, a young pitcher. Projected to get you know 139 innings for them. Uh, Jordan Hicks they signed to potentially be a starter because they and, gave and, him a multi-year deal. And him, I'm, I'm, I'm it, it's a question mark again. I, I, I exactly. I, I don't really know what to get out of him. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that I said his name so quickly here, like it shows that there's not <laughs> tons of like promising yeah. depth. Cobb, we both like. I think he's coming back from an injury. Robbie Ray is supposed to be in their team, but he's going to be rehabbing an injury. I for think he, yeah, he's the not first part. The first part early. of the the first part of the season. Um, but you, have, but you, I mean, imagine if Robbie Ray came back, you can, and, and he was impactful. You could really have an interesting, you know, starting down the with, stretch, yeah, with, with Webb, Snell, Cobb, Ray, and um, and then Harrison. you have Kyle Harrison rounding yeah. it out, and he's kind of the future. But it, it could be a fun rotation. You look at, it, and the Giants could easily be looking at themselves as saying that's the that that that's what's going to lead us this year. And then our offense is, you know, not too bad in itself with you know Soler, with um, I know it looks like yeah. Mitch Hanniger left, but uh, <laughs> but with Yastrzemski and with with the um, the new Korean player, it, it, it could be a fun team if you add a guy like Snell. It, it could really get interesting for the uh, Jung Hoo Lee for the yeah. Giants. 
Yeah. Jung Hoo. Yeah, that's right. Um, so looking at uh, one last shout, um, I think the Reds are a team that need to add if they want to be a top competitor this coming season. They had a really fun year last year, but I still feel like they're light this year, a little shallow. Um, and looking at their starting pitcher situation, uh, I see Hunter Green, obviously high upside guy. Graham Ashcraft, I'm pretty high on. They went and uh, got Montes, Frankie Montes, who he's supposed to be a full go. Um, and then after that, it's uh, Andrew Abbott, who's young and up and coming. Uh, not sure what you're going to get, though. Nick Lodola returning from injury. Nick Martinez, like it really kind of shallows out a bit with some more question marks. I think they could use some reinforcements on the mound. Um, but yeah, Travis, I think one lesson here is that almost every team could use a good starting pitcher, yes. but how many are willing to pay that price? Exactly. So yeah. th- that's the big question. Um, almost everything we just kind of went over kind of applies to Montgomery as well. Exactly. He is someone who, I mean, you're talking about another, another lefty starting pitcher, but he deserves to have a conversation just because uh, he was very successful for the Rangers uh, down the stretch, you know, in the postseason. So I, I am wondering where where that fit is for him. I think the Rangers going back would make sense, but I've, you know, heard things about them not wanting to spend big. Uh, so I'm not really sure if they're going to be able to pay that price tag for him. Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering uh, what the, how this settles, because I did see a quote from, it was Heyman or someone saying that uh, the angels basically are not really in on any of these big, the big five, as you mentioned, so to speak, but they're sort of monitoring, right? Because if these guys just don't get signed and spring training starts, it's like, okay, like these guys want to play this year. Yeah, obviously. And they're they're going to be on a team. And, and, yeah. and maybe they start to settle for a bit lower of a or deal. Or a one-year deal, you know? If, yeah. they, if they start to settle for a discount just to, you know, kind of concede and say, okay, I guess there's not as much demand for us as we thought. Let's go ahead and just take a deal now. Um, with whoever's offering the best uh, value, maybe a team that's more under the radar, like an Angels, maybe a cheaper team that's trying to cut back money, like uh, the Cubs are, are trying to cut back money right now. Maybe a team, I don't even know, like the Marlins. I mean, there's a handful of teams who are not really these top-tier contenders that may just kind of jump in and say, hey, we can go out there and improve our team. So maybe maybe it's a off-the-radar team that goes and gets one of these starting pitchers as we get closer to spring training without a real big um, without a real big market forming for them, without any big bidding war forming for these guys. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we'll go to Bellinger quick, Travis. We already kind of talked about him, but what's that fit? I mean, we talked I, I about— I feel like it's Chicago. It's it Cubs. But you think he just, goes I, back? I, I, but I just don't see it happening now because I feel like it should have already happened, but I feel like that was the fit. It didn't happen. I thought maybe his next fit would be Toronto because they need a big lefty bat, someone who's good at defense, but then they re-signed Kiermaier. They've gotten they probably one of the heaviest uh, ball clubs in terms of uh, weight. Uh, I know they just signed uh, uh, the Vogel, big Vogelback, Vogelback and, and, and you know he's probably going to be a DH for them. So they've kind of moved on. So again, I, 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 he's another guy that I just don't know what he's going to be getting in it and you know it's kind of crazy and sucks is that he he got his one-year deal to prove it he did and would be really upsetting is maybe he gets another one-year deal and doesn't doesn't prove it and then he's looking at okay now i really just am living on these one-year deals or two-year deals and so it's it's i I feel like he shouldn't have been too too picky if someone was going to give him seven years and over a hundred and something million dollars he probably should have jumped on it uh quickly and just taken the money because um, I, I don't know what else to say, what, what, where, 
where the market lies for him. I, I, I it, you know, do you say like something? I, I, they're not going to pay him, but it's like, do they? Do the Padres want to replace Soto with a Bellinger? But I'm sure they've already moved on. Why, why would they want to go after a guy that is uh, is someone that they don't even know could be, uh, you know, a, a, an impactful bat? Uh, for for years to come, and they've already got so much money committed to so many guys, they probably don't want to give another guy a huge contract like the like Bogarts. And it's like, man, we're just going to be seeing this thing age on for for ten years, and it's it it doesn't look good right now. So, yeah, just uh, you you stole my thunder there, Travis. I did think that um the Padres could be a fun fit. I don't like you said. The way their payroll is shaped up, the way they just sent Soto away, you don't really think that they're going to go out and spend big on Bellinger. But if that price tag does drop, I see a fit there because— Imagine that outfield defense. <laughs> um, yeah, Tatis was great last year. <laughs> Bellinger. Bellinger in center, and those two guys in right center are absolutely crazy. Cut you know? Covering everything. Um, but looking at their projections for center field next year, Jose Asokar, he's a righty, so he could maybe even get some at-bats. Um you know, pinch hitting for Bellinger against a lefty or something like that in certain situations. And after that, it really kind of takes a big drop. Um, I mean, Jacob Marcy. I mean, there's guys who are like, I think are off everyone's radar who are supposed to be like below average hitters next year that you could easily see Bellinger getting reps over them. And then they went and got Jerks and Profar, who he's currently penciled in to get quite a few innings in left field. So I think that there is some shallowness in the outfield after they send out Grisham. Bellinger could essentially be their Grisham replacement because you're talking about a lefty with some pop. There is some issue with inconsistency, some high strikeout stuff, some concern, but you're getting great speed, you're getting great defense, and you're getting a guy who can have those moments in big games, has been in the playoffs before. So I wouldn't mind that uh, pickup at all. I think it also would just be fun for the little Padres-Dodgers fan rivalry, chippiness, could be uh, quite interesting. Um, but looking at the, the the Padres, they also do have um, some open spots at dh so you can almost see him filling in for guys like tatis and give tatis tatis some dh time to keep him off his feet a bit so um that being said you mentioned the cubs of course as a natural fit i also do not see it happening even though it made sense when the offseason began but looking at the cubs right now hap will be their everyday left fielder they have Pete Crow Armstrong likely to get uh, a lot of playtime this coming season as a top prospect himself. He will command, I think he's an elite defender, so I think he will probably be getting a lot of center field time. Then you have Seiya Suzuki playing a lot of right field. So I don't really see a path for a new full-time outfielder to join that mix uh, via free agency. And then also um, just looking at uh, other moves that they've made, they just got David Peralta and uh Dom Smith. So they just added two lefty bats, even though they're not top tier bats, it'd be odd to go and get Bellinger after that. So I'm not quite sure what the dream fit is, uh, who needs a center fielder and who needs, um, you know, a guy that they're kind of willing to take a bit of a risk on and maybe overpay or maybe ends up being a bargain, depending on what version of Bellinger you get. But I think we all know as good as he was last year by the numbers, there is still this huge risk or this huge red flag of the two previous years where, yes. I mean, he was not a below average hitter. He was a negative. He yeah. was a, he was like, he was worse than a minor yeah. leaguer. Yeah. If a minor leaguer took yeah. his spot. I mean, he was really, really bad for a, a long stretch there. And it was confusing to see that the Dodgers were you think, su such a smart team and, right. and, and could adjust players. They could not fix them. So then everyone, everyone's thought was, 
nobody can fix this guy then, right? I mean, and, I mean, I, I mean why would well, the Cubs try? Good try, but you know, it, it's it, it's gonna be nineteen million dollars wasted on that one year, but it turned out to be a a fantastic year. And I think what Bellinger did a little bit with the Cubs was sell out some of the power and focus on a bit more contact. He did not have the exit velocity numbers that he used to, but he was able to kind of barrel up the ball a decent amount and just cut the strikeouts way, way, way down. So he kind of changed that approach a bit and still managed to get 26 homers, 20 steals. So a very productive year for Bellinger, we all know. But I do think that that adjustment, it might make him into... A higher floor but a lower ceiling yes and so yes. we'll kind of see what version of him uh, goes into the future here um but yeah a, another guy who i think a couple months ago we said oh yeah he'll have a good market and then just <laughs> players are reporting and we've heard nothing for a good stretch here yeah absolutely. Um, the last guy travis before we wrap up the episode matt chapman what's the fit i mean he is someone who we I, talked about before the episode yeah. you're getting a consistent glove at third base you're getting a guy who has well above average pop inconsistency with the contact lots of strikeouts but when he is hot offensively oh he's, he's a, one of the best players in baseball yeah, because yeah. the glove is gonna be elite um what what's a fit here i mean a lot of teams could use a third baseman you could say but um, no one's ponying up. You think he's asking for too much money or what's going on? Yeah, I'm sure he's asking for a lot of money. I mean, he's a guy that, like you said, I think he's guaranteed to give you, what, like almost four war every single year because he's going to have great defense. And then if his offense comes into play, um, that's only really a bonus. You know, last year in in what? What was uh, it was April? I think April and May, Matt Chapman, like the first 40 games, Alex, and he had an OPS at like 1,200. And we were like, oh, my goodness, this is like he's playing out of his mind. He already has a war, one war after the first season. And then it's funny, you look at his numbers for the rest of the year and you look at his uh, his season totals. It was not not his worst year, but it was one of his worst years in total. And it's really funny that he had such a high and good first 40 games. And then you just got to think, man, there was just a massive drop off in the second half. And he was just not who he was in the first, you know, in the first two months of the season. And 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 we knew that, you know, you, you were getting a... Uh, you were getting a special uh, Matt Chapman that you knew was not going to be consistent for the whole year. But hey, if, if he had something similar to that, then of course you'll take that. But I, I think for for him going to his next team, I've, I've heard, you know, the whispers with the um, Seattle Mariners, Alex, and I would probably just agree that's probably the best place for him, I would think. I mean, Suarez is playing for the Diamondbacks now, so that third base spot is open. I assume if I, if I, you know, if I've, if I've checked with, uh, with the latest on the, uh, on the Mariners, but I think that just gives them a good bat and a, or a good defensive player at third base to kind of run with that Mariners team. You know, the Mariners, they aren't going to have just the flashiest uh, guys on their team. I think Julio is the main guy that, that provides all the, the magic and the pop for that team. And, and everyone else kind of just comes along with it. Um, so again, I, I could see him working really well there. Um, and then I, he's another guy, Alex, I think I, I, I really need to take a deeper dive into what other teams and what their needs are. But I, again, he, he's, he's a wild card as well. I mean, I, one thing I'll, I'll say this, it's like Bellinger too, you know, you're going to get very good defense. So th that's the plus side, but the offense, you just, you hope it can stay consistent all season long and all career, all, uh, all contract long, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I think that's a fit um, with the Mariners in terms of the roster. You mentioned, you know, there's not a, a shoe in third baseman after the departure of Eugenio Suarez. 
Um, currently, as it stands, Fangraphs projects Josh Rojas, who they uh, got from the Diamondbacks, to get third base plate appearances, as well as Luis Urias. Neither guy uh, a super stud. Um, I think also at second base, you're getting most of the at-bats to Jorge Polanco, but maybe Rojas could go fill in over there a bit as well. I think that the Mariners, they could be done, honestly, this offseason. Just looking at the moves they made, they kind of struck quickly all at once by trading. They, they went and got Garver, and then they went and traded for... Uh, they went and traded, and they got... Um, after getting rid of Eugenio Suarez, they went and kind of filled that void by getting uh, Mitch Hanniger, uh offensively playing right field. And I think that overall, they're probably content with their team. Like you said, there's not a lot of superstars all over the place, but I think they have enough um, quality players, above average players, to make do. I think that Polanco, Crawford, um, Ty France, of course Julio, Cal Raleigh, Mitch Garver, there's enough bats there where you don't have to necessarily justify spending big on, on Matt Chapman. But I do think that uh, he would help their team as well as most teams that don't have a third baseman already. And, and you kind of alluded to the fact that uh, Chapman is kind of a lock for for good war because of his his production of his career so far. But um, just kind of looking at his uh, his recent uh, seasons, it's, it's like four war, three and a half to four and a half war the last three seasons. So we're talking about a guy who is going to contribute wherever he ends up. Um, the defense, and actually a surprisingly good base runner, even when uh, his bat is not great, he's giving you above average base running. Not a lot of stolen bases, but just running the bases. Uh, he's pretty fast, surprisingly, uh, for a third baseman, and he uh, just runs the bags well. Um, so even if he is barely an above average hitter, like in 2021, I believe, with the A's his last year there, he was only a 101 WRC plus so basically an average hitter but still over a four war guy on fan graphs because he did such good defense and even if the defense is not what it used to be it's still going to be top tier and he's still going to be an above average bat so not exactly sure what that fit's going to be um, but I do think there's tons of teams that uh, are interested and probably just feel like they can't justify the price tag, which is kind of the story for all five of these guys that we just kind of went over. But Travis, anything else that I'm missing? I feel like we pretty much covered the biggest names still yeah. on the block. Um, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing where some of these guys end up. And you um, have to think that by March they would sign, right? I mean, you got to think that some of these guys have to be really almost hitting the panic button that, I have to find a team soon or, you know, a lot of my suitors. And right now, a lot of my suitors are basically have, have left me in the dust. But a lot of my a lot of my suitors are basically going to say we're rolling with this team because they've been here for two weeks. We're already building that team chemistry at spring training. You would be just another distraction. So I we, we got to kind of let loose and 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 uh, and move somewhere else and not not go after anymore. So, again, it, it, it matters also if they want the money, but also if they want to play this season and it'd be interesting to see what kind of contracts these guys get over the course, maybe in the next week or next two weeks of, uh, of, of spring training to, uh, to solidify their spot. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not a good historian of free agency in terms of like going years and years back, but at least in recent seasons, I cannot remember when we had a time where so many, uh, meaningful, like MLB caliber players 
were still available this late into the offseason. Pretty much almost time for uh, us to start calling ourselves amid the 2024 season. And there's still Joey Votto on the board, Cody Bellinger we discussed, um, Longoria. Charles, I mean, Longoria and Brandon Crawford. Do those guys just retire if no one signs them? I mean, like they're getting older, but they still are above average players, yeah, yeah. or at least at least average players. You'd think at least they could contribute on some team, but if no one offers them a deal that is worth their time, do they just kind of pack it up? I mean, tons of other depth options um, for pitchers outside of those top two guys, like Clevenger, are surely going to get offers, but you know. Who, who's going to be that guy that offers them a deal? I think Granke might want to return uh, to baseball, surprisingly, is what I heard. You know, Lorenzen is still without a team. Cueto without a team. Um, there's just so much so much depth, I'd say, uh, ready to be signed that has not been signed. I mean, Tommy Pham, Adam Duvall, CJ Crone. I mean, are these guys going to get minor league deals? Like, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, we're running out of time. But um, that just means, Travis, we have more to cover in the coming episodes as these guys eventually start signing MLB or minor league deals uh, in the coming weeks here. But Travis, we will go ahead and leave it at that for this episode. Um, If you made it this far, thank you so much. Uh, We're going to make sure we cover the rest of uh, free agency as well as coming up very soon, our top 10 at each position, power rankings, all top, we'll probably do like a top 50 or top 25 for all players in MLB compared to the MLB rankings that are coming out and angering us. As well as <laughs> as well as many other fans of the sport. But uh, like I said earlier, if you made it this far, we appreciate you. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>